Hello again, everyone, and Happy New Year. We're back to welcome you to another year of the Cotton Companion podcast, and this, our 87th episode. The year's getting off to a quick start with the uh, the virtual Beltwide conferences that were held last week. Uh, we have cotton prices that are bumping 80 cents, and uh, and maybe the best news of all for, for folks out in the western part of the, of the cotton belt, some decent to heavy snowfall in West Texas uh, to help alleviate, hopefully, alleviate some of those drought conditions. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, I was going to tell you, uh, you know, that we're, we definitely been having a, one of our typical chilly, rainy southern winters here so far, and, uh, and that storm front that came through Texas actually ended up dropping about an inch of snow here just south of Memphis, so uh, we're enjoying that. Uh, how about Florida? A little chilly down there, too? Yeah, well, I can report there is no snow here, uh, so that's typical of uh, Florida. Uh, but it is it is cool and chilly, a little overcast this fall and winter time. We have had a uh, seemingly seems to me a cooler cooler winter than we've had in recent history. But we our sister publication, Florida Grower Magazines, cover our fruit and vegetable growers, so. They're appreciating this cold weather to get the cold units they need to have to make those strawberries and citrus and blueberries sweet for the consumers to enjoy. So, so there's some good to that, but it has been a little cool here by our standards. Well, the, you know, there is a little sacrifice for everybody. You know, right. And if good strawberries are, you know, are part of the reward, then I'm all for it. <laughs> Absolutely. We do have a couple things to cover in today's edition. And and Frank and I really hope we don't disappoint folks too much because we don't have a special guest in our virtual studio today. And the big reason for that is we have a couple of big items to share from Cotton Grower's perspective to kick this year off. Before we go any further, let's take a moment for a short message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Thanks again, as always, to the folks at Phytogen for supporting the Cotton Companion. And now, once again, we're going to turn things over to our colleague, Robin Skitberg, for a custom content interview with Dr. Joel Faircloth, Phytogen U.S. Cotton Portfolio Manager. Hello, I'm Robin Zipper, custom content editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. I'm talking today with Dr. Joel Faircloth, Phytogen U.S. Cotton Portfolio Manager. Welcome to the program, Joel. Thanks, Robin. Well, I think it goes without saying that everyone is looking forward to a new year and a new season. And I know that Phytogen also has some new varieties for the 2021 season. So what can you tell us about those? Yeah, so we're bringing in three very high-performing varieties into our portfolio. That's Phytogen 332, 443, and 545. All of these products have resistance to root knot nematode and bacterial blight. Two of these products have resistance to reniform nematode, which is the first time we've seen that in the upland market, that resistance to reniform nematode. That's exciting news, Joel, and I know that growers are going to be very excited to have that reniform nematode resistance. Uh, what else can you tell us about these varieties? If we look at 332 and 443, the two products that contain reniform resistance together, 332 is an early to mid-maturing product. 443 is a mid-maturing product. Okay, both are pretty broadly adapted. I would say the 443 is more uh, adapted to the east, generally speaking, and 332 to the southwest. So Texas, from South Texas all the way up through the Southwest Plains. 
Again, both of these products have resistance to bacterial blight, root knot nematode, and reniform resistance. They were advanced on their performance of yield and quality. So they do well whether you have reniform, root knot, or bacterial blight. They do well in the presence or the absence. These are very broadly adapted products. 545 is a mid to full maturing product. It's been tested for a number of years, even in the third party system. And it fits, its maturity fits very well into the lower Southeast market. And it's between Phytogen 500 and Phytogen 580 that are on their market. It's also root knot nematode resistant and bacterial blight resistant. These are some exciting new varieties and I know they're not Phytogen's only varieties. So would you be willing to come back and talk about some other varieties uh, in our next podcast? You bet, that sounds great. Thank you. And for now, we've got to end the program, but growers can always go to phytogen.com for more information. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Well, thanks, Robin. And thank you, Joel, for joining us for that interview segment. It's been a busy couple of weeks in terms of year-end cotton news. Frank, uh, can you fill us in on what's been happening? Yes, we have a few items here to cover. One is something that we don't talk about a lot, but it's getting a good bit of attention this end of this season, and that's seed coat fragments and cotton, uh, especially in the southeast area. The USDA's Ag Marketing Service is working with the Georgia Department of Agriculture to raise awareness about this situation and investigate the significant increase in seed coat fragments uh, this past season in the southeast. The Macon, Georgia classing office has classed 2.2 million bales. Nearly 900,000 of those contain seed coat fragments. Some samples even contain whole seed. Georgia Ag Commissioner Gary Black noted the issue has caused some serious concern and his agency will be working closely with USDA to learn more and look for potential solutions. Jim, I follow uh, a number of growers in the Southeast and in particular Georgia. Um, I've seen some twi Twitter activity uh, from those guys uh, talking about seed coat fragments. And one, one recently said that, you know, he's never had a real problem with that before, but this past season, I think he said about 50% of his bale or his samples came back with seed coat fragments. So I think they're they're looking at weather. I think there's been some some initial indications that this might be a weather related thing, which would make sense. Yeah, it was it was something that uh, one of the topics that came up in the Beltline conference last week, uh, which you know of course was held virtually. Uh, but one of the uh, one of the sessions talked about the seed coat fragments and threw up a map, uh, basically showing the the areas where most of the problems with the fragments are occurring are also areas that had three hurricanes come almost back to back to back over them. So, so like you said, weather and environmental issues may be, may be part of the, the problem behind this. I don't know if we'll ever have a definite answer, but uh, it's good that uh, the Georgia Department of Ag and, and, uh, and USDA are working together on this one. Yeah, maybe it's appropriate. It occurred in 2020. Uh, <laughs> maybe, of hope, course. Uh, hope, hopefully, it'll be a one-off deal, and we don't have to go down that road again. Uh, congratulations are in order for the North Carolina Cotton Producers Association, whose recent endowment has established the Marshall W. Grant Distinguished Professorship in Cotton Extension at North Carolina State University College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. 
The endowment honors the legacy of the uh, iconic North Carolina producer and industry leader, Mr. Grant. We've got more congratulations going out to Dr. Seth Bird, agronomist and extension cotton specialist with Oklahoma State University. He was named the 2021 Cotton Specialist of the Year uh, during an event held in conjunction with the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. The annual award is sponsored by BASF and voted on by cotton specialists in the 17 states where cotton is grown. They look at criteria like leadership and outstanding service. A North Carolina native, Bird joined Oklahoma State in 2018 after serving as assistant professor of extension and cotton specialist for Texas A&M in Lubbock. And Jim, guess what? We've got one more congratulations going out to Barry Evans of Crest, Texas. He was named the 2020 Cotton Marketer of the Year during last week's virtual Beltwide Cotton Conferences. We'll have more on Barry and the path he chooses for marketing success in the February issue of Cotton Grower Magazine. You will indeed. I talked to Barry last week after, uh, after the announcement, and uh, he's, uh, he's very honored and humbled by, uh, by this, and, and uh, we spent some time talking about uh, some of the things he did this year to earn that, that award. So uh, again, watch for that, uh, that article showing up in, in our February issue and shortly online at cottongrower.com. Well, thanks, Frank. You and I both know there are two other news items that we need to share uh, in this episode. It uh, obviously is January, and with the new year comes the results of Cotton Grower's annual acreage survey and the announcement of the recipient of the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award for 2020. So let's start with the acreage survey because quite honestly, it, it, uh, it's, it's generated quite a bit of buzz in the industry here over the past week since, uh, since we dropped that on the website uh, a week ago, Monday. Uh, based on the results of the acreage survey, which was recently conducted with cotton growers and, and other industry sources back in November and early December, it appears that U.S. cotton producers are set to plant 11,611,000 acres of cotton, that's Upland and, and uh, ELS cotton combined, uh, in 2021. When you look at the numbers uh, from USDA that last year, the planted acre numbers for 2020, I think were 12,185,000 acres. So we're looking at roughly a 4.7 to 5% decrease uh, in acreage since from last year. Now, commodity prices for cotton, corn, and other grains are gonna have a definite influence in acreage decisions, since all of those prices are really pretty attractive right now. Uh, but for cotton, growers also have to contend with decreased global demand for products still driven by COVID-19, uh, dialed down mill capacities, although those are starting to ramp back up, uh, some uncomfortably high cotton carryover stocks for the US and the world, and continued export competition from Brazil and India, among other things. So on a, on a regional basis, here's what we heard from our respondents. In the Southeast, growers in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas and Virginia, tell us they'll plant a combined 2,290,000 acres of cotton with only Florida indicating a slight acreage increase. Uh, Georgia will continue to lead the way with a little over 1.1 million acres projected. In the Mid-South, the survey's projecting 1,685,000 acres between Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, the Missouri Boot Hill, and Tennessee. 
Mississippi will still lead the way according to the survey with about 500,000 projected acres, but overall every state in the Mid-South should see some decreased decreases. As always, the Southwest region will lead the way in overall cotton production acreage, thanks to that big West Texas cotton patch. And although total acres are projected to be down somewhat, growers in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas will combine to plant 7,240,000 acres of cotton based on the survey. Texas growers indicate plantings of about six and a half million acres. It's not quite a 2% decrease from 2020. And, uh, and obviously we'll see where things, uh, where things end up with that as they start also looking at, uh, at possible alternatives. And in the Western states where a high percentage of acres are generally reserved for seed production, Arizona, California, and New Mexico are all showing slight decreases. A combined projected total of 396,000 acres of both upland and ELS. Now, there, there are a couple of other acreage projections coming. Uh, in February, the National Cotton Council will announce the results of their acreage survey. And uh, in March, I think the end of March, USDA will, will issue their planting intentions report. All of those, both of those, like ours, uh, are simply a snapshot of the market situation and prevailing attitudes and thinking uh, basically at the time of the survey. Uh, the full state-by-state -state details from the survey uh, are in the January issue of Cotton Grower Magazine and also currently online at cottongrower.com. Uh, this, did, this did bring up a little bit of discussion during the virtual Beltwides last week, uh, which was, was always interesting. We always kind of like to get out first and, and, and my guess is in this case, at least put a, a marker in where we think it's going to be. Uh, but I haven't heard too much argument yet over, over you know, disparities. It's, uh, you know, some people think there'll be a little bit less. Some people still think it'll be a little bit more, but, uh, but nobody really knows for sure. Yeah, it seems like the price situation for everything is, you know, certainly going up right now. And then so you, you wonder what competition between crops will do, but mm -hmm. who knows where who knows where the price will be in two weeks from now. Uh, th things are so, uh, I won't say necessarily volatile, but they're very reactive at this time. Well, uh, I think when you sit back and talk to some of the economists like like I have here in the last, last week or so, and, and we're seeing cotton prices that have, you know, one of the things that someone pointed out to me pretty quickly was that since the time we finished our survey and came up with our numbers, cotton prices jumped at least a nickel and almost pretty much getting close to a dime. Uh, so that could possibly have a great big influence on what the other two surveys are going to show at this point. But uh, it's, uh, you know, nobody I think is expecting cotton prices to take too much of a dump until we get into uh later in the spring, uh, right around the time planting is finished, of course, as always. So, so there's a lot of recommendations for growers to go ahead and jump on this market right now. Up next, we want to talk about the 2020 uh, Cotton Grower Achievement Award winner, which has been announced. Uh, if you have your January issues of Cotton Grower Magazine, you probably already know this, but we're pleased to announce that uh, Georgia Grower and Jenner Ronnie Lee is this year's winner. Uh, Jim, I had a, I had the opportunity to go visit uh, their gin in Bronwood, Georgia, and, and visit with Ronnie and get to know him, which that was always nice, and got to see the the operation there, and it is it's quite impressive. Uh, 
not only the gin, but the farm itself. And uh, one of the things that jumped off the page with me, and I, and you've done a story with Ronnie too, is just the breadth and depth of everything he's involved with. Uh, he served as the National uh, Cotton Council Chairman in 2017 and was Vice uh, Chairman the year before and has been a delegate from 2003 to 2016. So he's been very, very involved uh, with the National Cotton Council. Also has been involved with uh, Cotton Incorporated, I believe, almost 20 years. I think he is stepping back from that role this year, but has been a been a longtime participant and uh, uh, participant and um, advocate of Cotton Incorporated. Uh, he's also served uh, as chairman of the Southern Cotton Growers Association, served on the Farm Services Agency's Georgia State uh, Committee, and a host of other uh, involvements, including peanuts and so on. So he's very, very busy. He's made trips for a very long time to Washington, D.C. to advocate on cotton growers' behalf and somehow and all of that, uh, raised cotton, corn, peanuts, small grains, hay, and pecans, and cattle. <laughs> so he keeps real busy. Now he has he has three sons that help a lot with that, and he also wanted to stress that he has uh, and has been blessed with a a crew of employees and and staff that have been with him a long time and have been very helpful to help him get out and do that kind of advocacy. So. Um, he just he keeps busy, and I think the cotton industry has benefited from all of that. I would I would agree with you. I, I sat down with with Ronnie when he was uh, when he was elected chairman of the National Cotton Council several years ago, and he handed me his business card, and I still have it sitting here. It's the only business card someone's ever handed me with four different businesses, four bus different business names on it, uh, an office number, a home number, and multiple cell numbers. So uh, you know it. it he strikes me, he's always struck me as a person that doesn't sit still for very long. He's always in motion. He's always doing something. Uh, and, and the cotton industry has certainly benefited from his, uh, from his leadership and his involvement the last couple of years. So it was, uh, you know, we were very happy to, uh, to, to make Ronnie our, our winner for this year. Yep, I, I spoke, I had opportunity to speak to Kent Fountain, a fellow Jenner mm -hmm. from Georgia and also, also currently serving as the Cotton Council chairman right now. And one of the things that he pointed out to me was that, you know, in addition to all the advocacy, which has certainly, uh, uh, certainly been a help to the industry, but he also is willing to try different things and experiment with different things on the farm and gin. Uh, and, you know, other growers have benefited from that. Certainly locally they have by being able to observe him trying a new technology or a new practice on the farm or in the gin. So, so he leads in that way as well. So we're certainly happy to, to honor him. Uh, at some point uh, along the way in 2021, we, we will be presenting in person uh, the, the Achievement Award trophy. Uh, so hopefully we'll get back to some normalcy with the events where we normally like to do that. And uh, we'll pass that trophy on uh, to him uh, for, for his enjoyment. Absolutely. And a, and a thank you to our sponsor for this program, too. Uh, the good folks at Next Gen Cottonseed, uh, who have sponsored this program uh, for, for several years. Uh, and they are uh, 
obviously big believers in the program, and we certainly appreciate their uh, their support with it. Absolutely, I would concur that you know with a sponsor like that, it allows us to do a lot more than just a a cover story in the January right. issue. And and of course, it's all I think it's already posted online. If I'm correct, the cottongrower.com. It is so so that sponsorship means a lot to us and the program. I think that pretty much wraps us up. Yeah. We're going to make this a nice, short, sweet episode here. <laughs> People are going to get used to this. Ease us into 2021. Ease us in, and maybe that's a good thing. That's true. That's true. Once again, that wraps up this first episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast for 2021. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. And here's how you can do it. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The January issue of Cotton Grower should be hitting your mailboxes any day now, provided the Postal Service has finally caught up after their busy holiday season. We're wrapping up the February issue right now and should have it at the printer before we visit with you again. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch and Ken Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely and, as I understand, sunny today, Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with another episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, happy planning for 2021 and stay safe. And he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farm. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farm. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of the Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. Whoa.